Bibles, if you please, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 1 through 3. This year, I answer a question that I've been um, thinking about. It's been a, a very interesting uh, year. Every year, I believe, when I teach, I try to find one thing that I think you'll remember. So you can ask, unless we change, sometimes we'll have two things, but generally it's one question a year. And the question that I try to ask is one that I think you're asking about yourself or about the people that you're interacting with. The question is, why don't people do what they say they're going to do? Repeat that with me, please. Come on. Why don't people do what they say they are going to do? Try it again. Come on. Why don't people do what they say they're going to do? How many of you, I won't say hate it. But don't like it when people promise something and don't follow through. But how many of you have promised things? Uh Uh-huh, switch it now. And you have not, to be honest, before God, in the house of God, in church, before the living God, you didn't quite follow through. Thank you. Why is it that we don't? The goal in this year is to help us focus so that we deal with that issue. Because sometimes the the problem is there are reasons, good reasons, not always bad. We always want to fault ourselves. One of the things I don't like about the influence, hear this in love, please, of religion on us is sometimes it makes us live in a constant state of guilt. Whenever something isn't perfect in your life, we feel we've got to call it a sin. We've got to say it's the devil and we've got to feel condemnation. And I just, I just have learned that that doesn't fix anything. A sermon isn't a good sermon unless it's stepping on your feet. People kind of, oh, you stepping on my feet today. I say, well, I hope I lifted your heart, too. I want you to always leave church with foot pain. There's something about just having a fair conversation. The house is dirty because I'm not here. I'm working trying to feed everybody. The reason that the car is um, not repaired is because I don't have the money to repair it. It's not because I'm irresponsible. I heard that clanking. But I don't have the money to fix the clanking. There are things in my life that are out of control, not because I didn't try to put it in control or bring it in control. I just didn't know how. You need to be fair to yourself. Stop beating yourself down. You didn't finish school because you didn't have the foundational education to help you when you got in that high calculus. You didn't understand. The teacher talked funny, went too fast. And there are times that the system wasn't fair to you. That's why I love the series I did last month about injustice. Sometimes it's just not right. So all this year I've been trying to deal with that issue and try to bring a a, a sense of fairness to it. There's there's something about being clear, clear about the why. The first thing I gave you, the first answer I gave you in this year was people don't do what they say they're going to do sometimes because they're trapped in the wrong place. They're just with the wrong people. They're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong industry, the wrong job. I talked about Israel being trapped in Egypt, and they shouldn't have been there because they were supposed to leave, but they ended up being there for 430 years. And we spent the whole month talking about that. Then last month we talked about trapped in injustice and how, how sometimes 
you didn't do it because of the unjust environment. And I went to the word of God and showed you how injustice can affect your ability to follow through on things. But this month, I want to talk about something we all know about, money. I'm going to tell you, now, you, you, you may not really understand that money can be an issue, can follow you. And so there are four things I'm going to talk about this month. The first one today, I'm going to talk about being trapped by unnecessary obligations. Can you say unnecessary? unnecessary. Obligations. obligations. Next week, I'm going to talk about naive assumptions. Another reason why people have trouble with money is because they have, a na have naive assumptions. Now, that's going to be fun. What have you been financially naive about? I got a long list. Thirdly, we're going to talk about uncontrolled debt. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. You owe everybody. Every paycheck is already gone before you get it. There's nothing like being free from owing everybody. You'll get confused because you really have money in your pocket. So when your air conditioning breaks, you can fix it. Things happen in your life. You don't have to call somebody and, and beg for mercy. Uncontrolled debt robs you. And then lastly, we'll talk about financial isolation. Being alone, no one to talk to. You have no money partners. Nobody to show you how to manage your resources. So those are the four things we want to talk about this month. And I want you to think about them with me. Because if you can get free from being trapped financially, everything changes. Everything changes. You choose people differently. You choose friends differently. You don't want to date somebody because they have money. Where he works is fine. You want him to have a job. You want her to have a job or at least have, you know, resources or whatever. But you don't want it to be about that. I don't want it to be that I'm marrying Diane because she had a bad car. Oh, my God, that woman had a red firebird with beige and interior. That's my wife. I could have said that. I could have, but no, that wasn't why I married her. She's a school teacher. Started teaching at 20 years old. That's not why I married Diane. Those are some nice things to come along with it. But that's not why I married her. Stuff shouldn't be your reason. And if you have your own stuff, you're not driven by those motivations. Can I get an amen, somebody? Yeah. Oh, you want to clap on that? Go ahead, clap on that. That's good. Cool. All right. Proverbs chapter 6 gives us the first step in our conversation. Here's what it says. My son, if you become surety for your friend or guarantor for your friend, if you have shaken hands and pledges for a stranger, you are snared by the words of your mouth. Notice that. You're taken by the words of your mouth. So do this, my son, and deliver yourself. For you have come into the hand of your friend. Go and humble yourself. Now, this verse basically says four simple things. Repeat them with me, please. Say, don't sign, don't, sign. don't promise, don't, promise. Don't, verbally commit, don't verbally commit, and don't forget yourself. That's basically what it says. Co-signing is something we're all familiar with, where you guarantee for someone else. In this writing, his goal is to say, let me show you how you get trapped. Now, I need to preface this because you're going to ask me, have you ever co-signed? Yes. Have you, ha have you been successful with it? Yes. Have you had challenges with it? Yes. I've been on both sides of this river. This is not all about that. This is not, don't get caught up in the co-signing part of this. What he's trying to say is understand 
you can obligate yourself in ways that you don't have to. If I look back in hindsight, I obligated myself in ways that I didn't have to. I did it because I thought I should. It felt good in the moment. But if I'm honest, if I look back, I can say, I signed for something that I shouldn't have signed for. I remember one time I went to buy furniture for my apartment. My wife and I just got married, and we were getting our first apartment, and we didn't have any furniture, really. And uh, I went to the furniture store to buy a bed and a chair and a table, something like that. What did I say? A bed, a couple of chairs, and a table, right, to eat on. Uh, I left with a whole house full of furniture. Now, the reason I did was because it was a one-day sale, right? And uh, it was only $88 a month. And my pride said, I got $88 a month. And so I did, and I kept that furniture for years. It turned out to be a good investment long term. But the reality is, that's not why I went to the store. And I found myself, if I'm honest, I've signed for things. So I don't come in here with any sense of arrogance. And let me just say this to you. I'm one of those guys who has a high tolerance for debt. My wife has no tolerance. That makes our marriage interesting. Um, my wife never liked credit cards. I love it. I love the commercials. I love it all. And I got them all. And they all have zero on them. And you say, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Nothing. Nothing. I have, I have one debt in my house, and I'm prepaying that. And I hope to be finished in 48 months. I'm telling you, I'm trying. Now, I'm telling you my business. I don't have to, but I'm trying to help you see something with me. I have a great credit score. It would impress you, but that's not the point either. I've been down in the valley. <laughs> I understand. I don't come from wealth. I'm not against coming from wealth. I've got friends who come from it. I think it's great. But I think there's a challenge I understand that can come when you sign, you don't have to. Also understand the problem of promising things. He talks about shaking hands. That's how they used to make a promise. They didn't have, you know, pens and pencils all the time, so you would shake hands. And there's something about strike, call it, call it striking hands. All right, that's a done deal. Bam. And you say, all right, be careful who you shake hands with the covenant you enter into. A lot of people ask me and say, well, Pastor Rick, what if you are in so much debt you can't give to the church? What should you do? You ready? Get nervous, but here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to put you in jail. I'm not going to take your house or your car. And I can't drive you to work. So pay your car note. Can I get an amen, somebody? Now, that may make you nervous, and some of you say, thank God I'm going to hold this check right now, Pastor Rick. I'm so glad you, you, just, you just lost a bunch of money this Sunday. No, I'm thinking long term. I'm trying to get you to think beyond one gift, one offering, one day. Healthy people give long term. Broke people give now and then curse you later. Because now they're catching the bus. I shouldn't have gave that money. I told Pastor Rick I didn't have it. I don't want to create that kind of environment. What I want you to do is think with me about who you're shaking hands with. The issue is your, your, your tendency to make covenants that you should make. Until you deal with that, you're going to always be struggling. And so he says, be careful, number one, 
uh, about signing things. Be careful, number two, about striking hands or promising, verse one. And then be careful about verbally committing. I've done that too many times. I'll say it fast because I feel good. I've learned to be careful about what I say. And then fourthly, don't forget yourself. One of my favorite sayings is this. The Bible, verse three says, deliver yourself. Deliver yourself. Would you repeat this with me, please? Say, save some of you for you. That's it. Stop right there. Save some of you for you. I'm big on that. You have forgotten yourself. You love your kids so much you've forgotten yourself. Here's some things I never say. Ready? I live for my children. No, I don't. I'm sorry. I love them. Both of them. Ricky and Christina. Love y'all. Got two grandbabies. Laura and Melania. Love them too. No. I love my wife. I love my wife. But I don't live for Diane now. I love her. I love her. Look at her. Passionate. But if I, I'm going to love her, I got to love her the way I love myself. The Bible says. Some of the problems you have is because you've forgotten you. And then you snap out of it and get mad with everybody. I'm tired of it. Hold it, hold it. You gave all that away. You gave all that time away. You didn't take a nap. You didn't sleep. I nap. I sleep. I rest. I'm rarely ever tired. If I'm tired, don't worry, I'm headed to rest always. <laughs> because I learned something. If I love me, because see, God told me, he said, love your wife the way you love your what? Self. Some of you don't love you. That's your problem. You don't love you enough. Everything is about somebody else. Even when we serve in the community. I have to tell them, I only do so much. They're surprised when I show up. They say, oh, he's here. I pick and I choose. Because if I give away all I have, what is the profit of man if I gain the whole world? It's to gain all of your approval and lose myself. The problem is you don't need, you don't need to be saved. You're already that. You ain't got to worry about the devil. The problem is you. You're the problem. You have saved none of you for you. And because of that, you're always frustrated, always, always on the edge. And so I want to take a journey and I want to talk to you for a minute about the be careful of the shaking the hands part. I want to go back to that for a minute. And I want to ask you a few questions. What have you agreed to? I want you to think in your mind, what have you agreed to? What have you, what have you, what have you said, okay, I'm going to make a covenant with these people. Maybe an organization, it may be and I don't know, some, some area of your life, you've made a covenant with them. How is it going for you so far? Look at that relationship, look at that agreement, and ask yourself, how is it going for you? Your whole family, how is it working? Now, I've been trapped by various covenants I've made. I'm going to give you a list of three things, three things that I've done. I've been trapped in relationship covenants. I've partnered with people and partnered with organizations, and it has not been healthy for me. And I've had to admit that. I've had to admit that I made debt covenants. Um, every time I pull out my card and swipe it, that's a covenant, I'm shaking hands. Every time I go to the mall and I shop, I'm swiping and shaking hands. And if I'm honest, there were debt covenants that I've made that I shouldn't have made. I've also made time covenants 
where I was, I just, I just, I lied to myself. And I lied to them. I thought I could. But I don't have the time. And I wasn't honest about that with myself. How do I know? Look at the results. And so sometimes it's really hard to say to people, I can't. But in order for you to be honest with yourself, you have to admit it. I would love to, but based on my current life circumstance, that I can't commit to that. And one of the things I'm really sensitive about, people, people pick on me because you're going to be out here in about 10 minutes. People pick on me because I'm so time conscious. But here's what I want you to do. Come back. You don't have all day. Now, I, can, I got plenty of sermons. I can go for another three hours. But how many of you have something else to do today? Raise your hand and tell the truth. Come on, you know you got to get out of here. Now, some of you say, no, if you went for three hours, you wouldn't see me again. And normally you get the, the, the holy, I'm out of here signal. When people give you their time, you should appreciate it. And churches are notorious for not caring. <laughs> then I want to get to the part where he talked about being careful what you say. What have you said that you now regret? What have you said? Man, play it back in your mind. What have you verbally agreed to, verbally agreed to? And that, that's what, again, I've had to learn to watch that quick response. Think about it for a minute. Sometimes it is hard to not commit yourself to people because you care. And lastly, be careful, it said, not to forget yourself. I want you to think about this for a minute. How much time do you invest in you? Just you. Not your children, not your job, not your house, just you. Just Ricky. Now, I'll tell you what's interesting. When you're used to investing in others and it's time to invest in you, you feel guilty. You can almost feel like it's a waste of time. One of the things that makes retirement hard for people when they get to that age is they're confused. They get up, and no alarm clock. They don't know what to do. I remember um, I would always go to eat with my family after church. And one Sunday, they were all busy, and everybody went a different way. It was just me. And I was sitting in the car, confused. Because I never get to pick what we're going to eat. <laughs> I get to pay for it, but I don't get to pick what we're going to eat. And so I went to a restaurant that they would never go to. And I sat someplace they would never sit. And I ate something they would never eat. And I was confused. And as you get older and you have more time, emotionally it can confuse you because you've never really had time to just do what you wanted to do. And so you end up not investing in yourself. I like investing in other people, but there's a, there's a problem with that. There's a book I want you to see, and um, <laughs> this book is called, um, it, it's called The Secret to Unlocking uh, Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking uh, Success, The Success Cycle. Uh, and I want to read something that I never, ever heard of in my life, and then I'm going to pray for you. It's called The Human Giver Syndrome. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. The Human Giver Syndrome. Now, this will be in the notes. You can get, if you get a copy of the notes, you can read this whole thing. But listen to what it says. And I love this, and, and I, I want to make sure I get it right, so you better put your specs on, dude. Here we go. Emily and Amelia Nagoski 
write about the influence of human, the human giver syndrome. This syndrome assumes human givers must at all times be pretty, happy, calm, generous, and attentive to the needs of others. They must never be ugly, angry, upset, ambitious, or attentive to their own needs. The giver syndrome says givers are not supposed to need anything. If they dare to ask for or, God forbid, demand anything, that's a, that's a violation of their role as a giver. And they may be punished. And if a giver doesn't obediently and sweetly hand over whatever a being wants or another person wants, for that too, the giver may be punished, shamed, or even destroyed. The human giver syndrome. Let me tell you something. Some of us are there. Some of us are bound with the syndrome of giving so much that you have lost you. I want you to think about this for a minute. Are you making unnecessary obligations and forgetting yourself? Are you the kind of person who's so far down the road in sacrifice that you don't have time to exercise for you. You have no time to think. Here's what I believe. You can pray forever. You can go to church for a thousand years. You can read 50,000 Bible verses. But until you start thinking about yourself, you're not going to get far in the land of peace. It's okay to think about yourself. You're not being selfish. Jesus came to give you life and give who life? You life more abundantly. You do have a life. My mom used to say that to me sometimes. Ricky, I do have a life. I said, yeah, mom, but I know what you need. She said, but don't I have a choice? I said, yeah, you got a choice. Because I wanted to go someplace or do something with me. I lean on a little bit. And now that she's gone, I look back and I said, Temple, come on now. Let her have her own choice. It's okay. I know you're being a good son. You're always trying to bless her. But sometimes it's okay for a person to make their own choices. And it's okay for you. Now that may shock you today because you're not walking out here with your feet hurting too bad. I want you to stand up on your feet. I told you you're going. You got three more minutes to go. Trapped. There's a book called The Psychology of Money that we're reading this month. I want you to order it online, get it however you like. At the end of the month, I'm going to come back and review it with you and talk to you about it. I want you to understand the power of this, the, the victory that comes when you have put your money in the right place. What I like about this book is he says, people plan for the uptimes, but not the downtimes. He talks about how his dad worked for years as a, as a doctor and decided that he would just quit one day. And because he'd been frugal, he could. I like the way it makes me think. It makes me think about me. It makes me look at my life and say, what are you going to do, Pastor Rick, beyond being Pastor Ricky Temple? What's your life going to be like? Some of you are not thinking about yourself enough. If I motivate you to do that today, I've succeeded. Let's pray. Father, I leave this place today with a heart for your people. May they leave this moment 
with their hearts and their minds open, their spirit clear. May they serve others. May they be big givers, but may they not fall out of love with themselves and their dream. What do they want to be when they grow up? What is the passion of their hearts? Places do they want to go? What do they need God to do in their life? What are they ashamed of that you want to heal them from? God, I pray for them today that they leave this place free. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here and you say, Pastor, after hearing you today, you talked about me and I'm glad, but I, I want to talk about my walk with God. Maybe that's not where it needs to be. If you want me to pray for you, you know you're not where you want to be with God today. Your life hasn't been going in that godly direction. I want to pray for you right where you're sitting. If you're home or here, it doesn't matter. I want you simply to raise your hand so I can pray for you. Say, pray for me, Pastor. My walk with God is the concern I have. Anybody else? Pray for me. Is there another hand? Another hand? Thank you. Anybody? Just put your hand up and put it down. That's it. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. I see you. Father, I pray for those who raise their hands. I pray for those who raise their hearts. May this be the moment that they say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I invite you to become the center of my life. Thank you for loving me enough to care about me. Now help me, Lord, show my love to you by being obedient and surrendered. And I give you all the praise. Jesus died for my forgiveness. I accept that forgiveness. And my life will never be the same. Can the church say amen?